Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio in Gwinnett, it's time for Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by Computer Design and Integration. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Silver Lining in the Cloud. We're local thought leaders and uh, business owners and business professionals talk business to business. I'm your host, Dominic Rainey, along with my producer, Mike Salmon. Hey, Mike, how's it going this morning? I'm doing good, Dom. I'm going to just kind of let you do most of the questions because you are the expert here on the silver dominating. lining in the, cra- in the yeah, cloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great, great, no, great. And nobody can really replace Nicole, so. That's true. We know that for sure. Hey, uh, I know everyone didn't uh, come to the studio today just to get out of the rain. And so we've got all these uh, great business leaders here, and so let's get on with the show. Uh, first up, we've got Neil Stevens. Uh, he's with Keyworth Bank. Uh, from a closer look, we have Chuck Paul, and from Print Pack, we have the pleasure of speaking with David Reed. Welcome everyone to the show. Thank you. So, Neil, Thank you, Dom. Uh, why don't you start off today and tell us about uh, Keyworth Bank and what you do there? Okay, uh, Keyworth Bank. I'm the chief operating officer of Keyworth Bank, and Keyworth is a small community bank. We uh, organized in 2007, and we are about 350 million in assets. We have uh, four uh, locations, uh, three full service, and then one loan production office over in Cobb County. We cover the northern metro Atlanta. Uh, We are about to uh, announce a new location this week that we'll have, but our uh, footprint is really 285 north, uh, covering Gwinnett County, Cobb County, and North Fulton County. And uh, we focus predominantly on small businesses and small companies and uh, that kind of thing. Well, Neil, what, what makes Keyworth uh, different from other banks? Well, local decision-making is a big part of what we do. So many uh, banks out there have to go to Charlotte or Tampa or somewhere else for, for decisions to be made, particularly for uh, companies looking for loans. And all of ours are made local. We have a local board. Uh, they're involved in the community. Uh, the executive team, uh, you know, right here in the Atlanta market make the decisions. Um also, we're a very safe and sound bank. Um, many institutions today, as everyone knows, has uh, had financial trouble and struggles with this uh, entire crisis we've had. And a lot of banks are no longer out there, but Keyworth is a safe bank, very sound, operationally sound, very well capitalized, very few problem loans, really none. Um, and uh, And our people are very experienced. We hadn't had the luxury of hiring a lot of young new people so we have people who have been in banking for some 40 years and probably the average 20 years and so that makes a big difference so i would say those three things are are the three keys that make us different from other banks hmm. is there uh, staying power attributed to a specific specific niche in the market yeah our niche is predominantly small businesses small companies but we have a focus in in dental and medical um i would probably tell you 20 5% or so of our business is uh, in the medical dental field, predominantly dental. Um, and once you begin to break into that community, it's somewhat like a fraternity. Their dental friends refer their, their buddies and their orthodontic friends and pediatric dentists, and it just kind of snowballs. And so we've kind of gotten the reputation of being the bank for dentists. And that's not all we do, but that's a, that's a large part of our business. So has uh, technology impacted the banking industry? It has in a major way, and particularly for community banks, it's been a big, big uh, 
thing for us plays in our favor in that we have uh, the ability to, to do things that larger banks uh, can do. For instance, we don't need to have a branch on every corner. I mean, we have branches in select locations and key locations, but there's no need to have 100 branches in a market because of remote deposit capture is one. For instance, we can have a business owner who may be in Gainesville or Athens or, you know, even a little outside of our market that can deposit their checks remotely. It's a small machine they can put their checks through and it deposits right into their bank. Plus, with mobile banking becoming uh, a, a big thing today, uh, you know, consumers can take pictures of their checks and deposit them right into their bank account and go online, check their balances. So the branch traffic across banking in general is down due to technology, which really plays well for a bank like ours uh, at Keyworth. Neil, what is, what is the internal culture like over at Keyworth Bank? We put a lot of focus on culture. We put a lot of focus on associate development and really focusing internally because we feel like if we can get that part right, our people will take care of our customers. And so we have uh, what we call the three C's of our culture. Uh, compassion is one of those, and that's care for our people, care for the community, really want to show compassion to internally and externally. We talk a lot about compassion. Character is another component of that, and a lot of people talk character. We really try to live character, doing what's right by our employees, by our customers, by everybody we deal with, our vendors, even when no one else is looking. So that's a big, big part of it is character. And then competence. I think you've got to have people who know what they're doing, who understand banking, who are experienced. And when you put those three things together and get the associates in the right place in the company, and what they love doing, uh, it promotes a, a great culture. And, and people at Keyworth, our, our folks love working there, and it's a great environment, and we try to foster that every single day. We're talking with Neil Stevens, Executive Vice President and Chief Operating Officer at Keyworth Bank. So, Neil, uh, when did Keyworth Bank get started? We started, uh, we began to organize the bank in October of 2006, and uh, it took us about a year to raise our capital, and we raised about $36 million, all local. We have about 310 shareholders, uh, but we raised the $36 million fairly quickly, made application to the state and to the FDIC. We're a state-chartered bank, and um, that was accepted, and we got our doors open for business about a year later, October of 2007, so... This October, we'll celebrate our six-year six anniversary of being in business, and we've got about 42 or 43 people now and, you know, continue to grow. Congratulations on that. Thank That's you. That's awesome. Thank you. So, Neil, uh, does, does a bank actually think in terms of geographic uh, areas or target markets? Yeah, I mean, for us, we are a community bank. We want to be a true community bank. And that's not to say that we won't go out of market if it makes sense occasionally. For instance, if we have a client here in, uh, say, Duluth, for example, that we do business with and they have some uh, opportunity in Alabama but they live here and they're buying a building there, we'll look at things like that. But our focus is not to go external. Our focus is predominantly on the the northern metro Atlanta market. That's where we put our people out when we call, and that's the that's the market we want to develop and the community that we want to invest in. So, does Keyworth have plans for for growth? Absolutely, we uh, we absolutely do. Today in banking, with new capital uh, regulations that are put on banks and compliance regulations and the cost, 
we feel like you have to be a, a bigger institution, and, and we could certainly survive and do fine. We're very profitable at $350 million in assets. But, you know, over time, to get the return we want, we think you have to be looking to grow to $500 million and, you know, even over time, a, a billion-dollar institution. And so we're going to do that, but we're going to have smart growth. We're going to have strategic growth. And like I say, this week we'll probably be making an announcement of a branch uh, of another institution that we've purchased, which will help grow our footprint and continue to do that. But uh, we think it's important to uh, to stay on that growth path. And Neil, I would think there's a, there's a fine line there and a kind of a challenge because you want to stay that community bank. And I've been in the banks plenty of times, and you have that warm, small community feel, yet you are growing. So there's that balance, I guess, that's maybe a challenge that you want to keep that small community feel that you've talked about as you continue to grow. Absolutely. And that, that becomes more of a challenge as you grow. Um, you know, I think about uh, some, you know, restaurants. Um, I know that, uh, Chuck, you, you work in restaurants and, and, and look at restaurants and shop them and that sort of thing. You know, the larger you get, the more of a challenge it is. But restaurants like Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out Burger, if you know those two, they do a tremendous job no matter where they are with consistency. And we often say we're the In-N-Out Burger or the Chick-fil-A of banking. And we want to try to offer that as we grow. And that, that comes with, number one, hiring the right people and putting a heavy focus on training. But you're right. It's, it's challenging as you grow to keep that small hometown bank feel. But we're dedicated to that. And that's something that we just refuse to lose as we grow. We're talking with Neil Stevens with Keyworth Bank. So, Neil, uh, how about uh, the banking industry for young people? Would you uh, suggest recent grads to look into the banking That's industry? That's a great question. I absolutely would. I think it's a great field. I have the privilege, uh, being the COO of the bank, uh, I get many calls and have the opportunity to sit down with a lot of young people who are exploring and I have a, a younger son myself who's a sophomore at UGA. He has no interest in banking. Um, but uh, but at the same time, I have the chance to breathe into some of these kids' lives. And uh, and I I think it's a great feel because you learn a lot about just business. Uh, you know, other than banking and finance, you can certainly make a great career. You learn a lot about business and what you may want to do with your career. But even more than that, banking today has many different areas you can go. You can go the wealth management route. You could go into commercial banking, retail banking, you know, mortgage banking. I mean, it's so specialized today, probably even more so than it's ever been. And uh, I would highly recommend that as a career field. And, you know, you have to be a little patient, but I think the pay and the compensation today is much better than what it was, you know, when I started in the business 25 years ago. You know, in the financial world, it's, uh, it's the bottom line. You know, in, in our world, it's the silver lining. What's, uh, what's your silver lining over in, in your industry and in your bank? You know, I think uh, we put three things as our priorities, and, and those three things are, number one, asset quality, number two, profitability, and number three, growth. And a lot of institutions have gotten growth out in front of asset quality. And when you're in the banking business, it's hard to have a silver lining if when the, when the loan portfolio goes bad and you, you just can't recover from that. So many times if you put growth as number one, you get way out ahead of your headlights and, you know, make some mistakes where we've really tried to put 
asset quality the first thing, and not that the second two are – they're both critically important. We have to have profitability, and we've got to grow, but we just want to keep those three things in, in the right order. Neil Stevens with Keyworth Bank. Neil, tell our listeners what's the best way to get in touch with you or people at Keyworth Bank. You can certainly call our office. Uh, our number at uh, Keyworth Bank is 770-753-2403, and uh, we would love to talk to you, love to help you, both consumer and small business, and uh, that's who we are. So, Thank you, Neil. And next up on our program is uh, Chuck Paul with A Closer Look. Chuck, tell us about A Closer Look and what you're doing over there. Um, I'm with A Closer Look. We started the company, uh, it'll be 20 years next March. We'll celebrate our 20th anniversary. Um, My business partner and I started the company at my kitchen table in 1994. Um, It wasn't the garage? Well, we went from the kitchen table to the garage, (laughs) and then we built out the basement, and then we bought an office, and uh, that's how it's, it's kind of grown over the years. Uh, Our first employee uh, was in our basement, and my business partner and I were about 10 feet away from each other, and we had to string the the telephone line across the floor, and we had to uh, let our employee know to be very careful to not trip over it as she was going from one side of the office to the other. So it was was very different back then. And you left the security and the safety net of the corporate world for all of that? Uh, Yes, I grew up in the... uh, corporate world of the restaurant. Uh, I worked for Steak and Ale for about 16 years, and those of us that are old enough to remember Steak and Ale. I remember. uh, Actually, my father opened up the first Steak and Ale in Florida in 1969. My brother and I uh, joined the company and were there for a a good period of time, and it became a a fairly large company that uh, turned into Brinker International. And uh, I left the business in uh, 94 and started a closer look with my business partner, David McAleese. So, Chuck, how'd you meet, how did you meet him? Well, after the restaurant uh, industry, I went into financial sales for a period of time. And when I was in financial sales, uh, I, I began working with a, a guy who is now my partner and has been for going on 20 years, David McAleese. He also came from the restaurant industry. And we ended up calling on people in financial sales that were restaurant people because that's what we grew up with. So it was kind of a natural, and we just kind of got along real well. And uh, during that time, I was asked by a friend of mine who was at that time coming into Atlanta as the president of Rio Bravo. And uh, Phil Hickey asked me if I would go into a couple of the restaurants and give him some feedback because he was new to the area and didn't really know and wanted to get some some, uh, nuggets of what was going on within his restaurants. And at the time... uh, it was, I called it a two-for-one. It was like, one, I got to go out and eat, and two, it was somewhat paid for because all I had to do was type up a report. So it was it was kind of fun, but after a while, the Mexican food got, uh, it's like too much of anything. After a while, it's like, uh, I've had enough Mexican food. So I invited my, uh, my, my David at the uh, at financial sales. I said, David, you want to help? Uh, Helped do some feedback at some Rio Bravo restaurants, and he said, well, sure. So David started doing it, and after a few weeks, he got tired of it too. So um, Phil Hickey then asked me if if I would uh, shop his new restaurant in Nashville. And I said, Phil, I don't, I don't 
I, I don't have time to drive to Nashville. And, and I've always called it the Ford light bulb moment uh, after that. He said, don't you have any friends? And that was the light bulb. And that was the thing that struck, maybe we have a business here. So I turned to my partner, uh, my business partner was going to be my business partner, David. And I said, do you think you want to try to make a go of this? And he said, well, let's do it. So we did. And that was uh, almost 20 years ago. Chuck, let me let me get my arms a little bit more around what a closer look really really does because you're you're kind of in the restaurant business, but you're you're not a restaurant. Nope. So you're doing the the mystery shopping, which we've heard about, like at department stores. Yep. But you're doing it in the restaurant industry. Correct. And you do surveys. Talk talk about all the things that that your company really does. Well, more so than anything else, we do a, a very in depth report of the everyday person's visit to an establishment, whether it be a restaurant. And we do things other than restaurants, but 80% of everything we do is within a restaurant. So if you consider you're going to dinner at Jay Alexander's tonight as a consumer you would, uh, and you were a shopper for our company, you would call the restaurant and say, hey, can I get a reservation at 8 o'clock or what have you? And that call might be recorded. It may not. It may be just written down in terms of the um, the quality of the call, the, uh, the attitude of the person that took the call, uh, the clarity and, and the everything else that goes along with that. And then you would go into the restaurant and have a dining experience with your guest or your wife or your friend or whoever. And you would already have a set of questions that was online that says that when you go to Jay Alexander's, these are the things you need to look for. So it's, it's, in other words, you know up front what you're measuring. So then when you get home, you get back online, and the form is uh, online, and you just go through your experience, and you talk about how long it took to get your drinks or how, how friendly the waiter was, what, were there suggestions made, were you carded? If you were carded, how old are you? And, and I talk about this because... You know, in a lot of restaurants, uh, Taco Mac, for example, if you don't card everybody that walks in the door, whether you're 8 or 80, it's not a good thing for the that's, – that's a company thing. So if you go into a restaurant and you're, say, 25 and you order drinks and you're served, that may not go along with what the company wants. So from a measuring standpoint, that's very important because if they might be under 21 and they're served – we call it like an insurance policy in that uh, they could be closed down. I mean, that's, that's it's very risky. So um, anyway, you get back and you, you fill out the report according to everything that happened. And it's an everyday person's uh, opinion of the restaurant in terms of cleanliness, friendliness, timeliness, uh, music quality, music volume. Uh, in a lot of places, we take pictures. Because everybody in the restaurant business, you know, I mean, everybody take Instagram. You take pictures of, I take pictures of food all the time. So it's not as unusual as it used to be because used, people are taking pictures of everything these days. Yeah. Exactly. But you, the, be, you know, years ago, if you did it, okay, wait, he's obviously reviewing us or something like that. Correct. Today, you don't think about it. It's not. I mean, when we first started doing that, and that was a few years ago, it was like we had to be very careful. In, ho- in the hotel world, it's pretty easy because you're typically in the confines of the building or in the confines of your room. Well, in the restaurant, you've got a lot of people around. You've got food. You've got servers. You've got managers walking around, uh, food runners, so on and so forth. So taking a picture sometimes could be a little funky. But uh, as you as you mentioned, 
anymore, it's really it's not a big deal. Can can anybody do this? I mean, people listening right now, or I mean, hey, I, I want to be, or, or do you do you recruit these people? How does that work? You've well, always wanted to be a secret agent. Well, right? I, I I'm, I'm I'd like to do this. I'll I'll go to a, a meeting or a cocktail party or a conference, and everybody will they'll, they'll say, "Oh, you shop this restaurant, you shop that restaurant." They go, "I want to do that," and anybody can do it. You need to be able to be uh, timely. You need to be able to uh, put together a good scenario because a lot of the reports are narrative. So it's like, uh, tell us about your experience, and it could be a paragraph in each section, whether it be talking about the environment in the restaurant, the uh, food that you that you that you ordered, uh, the server, the the attitude of the server server, and and what they did to make your stay more enjoyable or not. Uh, overall, would you come back? And, of course, in the restaurant world, as in most businesses, would you come back is the key question. And they have to be able to put a narrative together uh, to talk about how good, about good, bad, or indifferent the experience was. So can anybody be a shopper? Sure. Everybody goes to restaurants. Um, not everybody is accepted into our system. Uh, when you go to our website, you have to fill out a form. You have to talk about a, a service experience that you've had somewhere else. Uh, and you also have to take a test. And the test is not difficult, but it's to kind of make sure you don't just put your name and email address and say, hey, I'm a shopper, because that's not what we do. I mean, uh, we want to be better than the average shopping company, and we feel like we are. We're listening to Chuck Paul, President. It's a closer look, and, and I'm sorry to keep asking all these questions. But d- I'm, you're I'm, on a roll. I'm man. stealing your it. interview, Don. Go for it. But uh, do you are these people then paid, or they their 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 pay is getting a, a meal, or how does that are they re- how does that all work? Great question. In most cases, as we grew up in the restaurant industry, the the people that do the reports are are paid, and that's part of their payment is the meal. It's not like, you know, somebody will say, oh, I want to be a mystery shopper. How much money do you make? Well, you really, it's, it's not really a money-making proposition. There's pe- people that just love giving feedback, and they feel like if you go to a, a very nice restaurant and have a dinner for two and you're not out of pocket, let's say that's 75 80 bucks, maybe 100 bucks, and you go home and for 45 minutes to an hour you put a report together, is it worth 50 bucks an hour? I think in most cases, yes. They're not all like that. We have we, we have restaurants that go from fast casual up to fine dining. And in the hotel world, it's typically an overnight stay in a hotel where the overnight is free. So if you're spending 150 bucks in a hotel to do a report and take some pictures, it's a free stay. We also do uh, movie theaters and senior living facilities. Uh, and in some of those cases, the, the shopper would be actually paid a uh, a stipend to do the report. So, but it depends on it depends on the vertical. So, Chuck, you've been in business how long? Nineteen years. Nineteen years and counting. A lot of ups and downs in the in the in the market. You know these recessions and everything. And I understand that you guys have been profitable since day one. How do you do it? Uh, I think we stayed true to our to our roots uh, back in the recession of seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, when a lot of people were cutting back of things that they were doing, we kept investing in our business. 
We hired uh, salespeople. We uh, kept things lean and mean, but at the same time, we continued to grow. And we reached out to other verticals that we had not really been in before and found that uh, a mystery shopper that can go into a Capital Grill can also go into a Meineke muffler or do a Stanley Steamer or do an L.A. Fitness or a Planet Fitness. It's, it's, all, it's all customer service. So it really trans, it goes across many, many vari- uh, variables. Yeah, looking at your website, you got a lot of great stories and activities uh, section in there. It was, it was pretty cool to look at all that. We do a, we do a lot of things outside uh, of our core business. We, we believe strongly in giving back to uh, the community. We've been involved with the MS Society for 22 years. Our team last year was number one in the state of Georgia in terms of uh, – Donations. Uh, we raised over twenty-five thousand dollars, and then we do two other charities during the year that are uh, maybe one of the employees says, "Hey, I've got somebody that's got cystic fibrosis or what have you." We've done Habitat for Humanity. Uh, we we do definitely try to give back because it's a it, we're part of the community. Yeah, and Chuck, I sense you got a little vision going on at the at the company as as most uh, business owners and leaders do. Is there plans for growth? Yes, um, we're in the process of uh, continuing to grow, continuing to tr- to be a little bit better than our our competitors. Uh, we may do some acquisitions in the next couple of years. We're going to try to double in size in the next five years, and just see where it takes us. So, Chuck, what what do you like most about what you're doing over there at uh, a closer look? What's your silver lining? I love helping, you know, I came from the restaurant industry, and I just, I love helping people grow their businesses by helping them learn what's going on within their four walls, whether they're there, whether they're not there. It's uh, it's incredible. A lot of people say, well, why doesn't restaurant X use you or X restaurant Y? We found that the, the companies that use us are the ones that, in some senses, I almost wonder, Maybe not that they shouldn't because I think everybody should get feedback, but the ones that use us on a regular basis are the ones that really do a good job, and the ones that don't are the ones that probably should, but, you know, that's kind of an oxymoron, I suppose, in a a sense. Uh, I I love working with uh, different companies. Uh, I grew up in, in working for one company, but now I work with you know, we have about 200 clients, and, and while most of them are restaurants, a lot of them aren't. And and watching them grow, to me, is our silver lining. And helping our employees grow within our business, we've got, uh, I believe it's three employees that have bought a house since they started working for us. And, and we're a small company. It's not like we have, you know, a 1,000 employees. Uh, we have a couple hundred thousand shoppers, but they're all independent contractors. Chuck, uh, you're, you've got uh, a lot of experience and a lot, of, a lot going on. I know you've got a few stories. Uh, can you give us an example of something maybe unusual or uh, funny or exciting that's happened uh, in your industry? I don't know if it's funny, but uh, I, can, I can remember a, a shopping report that we got, and this is one of those things that why do people do pay for feedback? And uh, we had a family that went into uh, a restaurant uh, not too long ago, and it was a, 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 a lady and her kids and her husband, and they sat down at the table, and the kids were, I don't know, six and seven or six and eight, young. Uh, 
And the server came over, and the first thing he did was, you know, you typically have your wrapped-up silverware next to you. And the first thing the server did was unwrap the silverware and remove the knife. And I just thought that was kind of like, wow. I mean, that's kind of like outside the box. Totally. Uh, and the mom was just like, that was so cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just it's something that sounds really kind of trivial, but at the big scheme of things, it's really a, it's a big deal. And they'll, and they'll talk about that, and they'll come back, and they'll, you know, because of what happened at that restaurant. And those little things, um, I worked for Norman Brinker for a number of years uh, from Brinker International, and, and, and Norman told me many, many years ago, we all do the big things right. We all cook the burger pretty much the way you want it. It all comes in a fairly clean environment, but it's those little things that make the difference. And when you go out to a restaurant row or you're going down to Buckhead or uh, places where there's multiple restaurants in a, like Perimeter Mall area and you have to decide where you're going to eat, you have to – in the back of your head, I think it's a lot of this is just kind of like subconscious. You go, well, we're going to go to Houston's. Well, why are you going to go to Houston's? Well, we know when we go to Houston's the quality and the service and the timeliness – is going to be spot on as opposed to going to restaurant X where maybe you've never been before or the last time you went there, something just wasn't right. And this may be something that you consciously think about, whether it was food service or cleanliness or something that's just in your head. You're like, I, I don't know if I want to go back there. But it's like uh, Neil was talking about uh, the service at Chick-fil-A, which I, I totally agree QT. I'll go out of my way to go to QT because they're clean, they're friendly, everything works, and their 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 accessibility is awesome. So I think people, especially in a down economy, which we're just we're coming out of, people are very discerning with where they spend their dollars. So if you've got a choice of spending your dollars at five high end restaurants, which one are you going to go to? Well, you're going to go to the one where you feel like you either have been there or you have heard from other people that they do a really great job because you, you you can't afford to just roll the dice. It's too expensive, and people are choosy with where they spend their dollars. We're listening to Chuck Paul at a closer look. Well, I know who to call now when I it's a toss-up about which restaurant to go to. There you go. Hey, Chuck, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your company for more information and to get The involved. best way, uh, as far as being a shopper, uh, our website, you can do all of that online. It's www a-closer-look.com. And I'd like to say it's a closerlook.com, but somebody already had the website when we became a company back in the 90s. Uh, or you could call our office at 770-446-0590. Thank you, Chuck. You're welcome. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, brought to you by CDI Managed Services. The next up on our show is David Reed. David, uh, tell us about PrintPack and what you guys do at PrintPack. Yeah, thank you, Dom. Uh, PrintPack is a manufacturer of flexible packaging and specialty rigid packaging. Um, we're based here in Atlanta. We were founded in 1956 by Jay Erskine Love, Jr., who is a prominent Atlanta citizen and Georgia Tech alumnus. And 
it's very important to me to mention Georgia Tech because I'm an alumnus as well, and we don't get a lot of airtime, so I'll take that opportunity. <laughs> but uh, Mr. Love founded the company. Uh, he passed away suddenly in 1987, and today it's still run by the, the Love family uh, 100% and are, is one of the largest privately held companies in the United States. Um, flexible packaging um, is kind of a, uh, a general term, but it's, I would dare say that everybody that's listening this morning has already interacted with our products. Um, flexible packaging, really, what we refer to as flexible packaging is any manner of pouches, wrappers, bags, labels. So when you open your breakfast cereal this morning, there was a good chance that that was a print pack package, or you open your bag of chips for lunch, that could be a print pack package. And so uh, that's what that means. Especially rigid part is um, things like applesauce or baby food um, jars that have converted from glass. Hmm. So it's one of those things that you don't think about, but uh, and that grown people actually make this kind of thing. But uh, it's a very important part of the, especially the food side, print pack. Most of our products package food, and it's a very important part of providing safe food to consumers. And uh, so you're a local company, but you're also uh, outside of Atlanta. Where are you located in Atlanta? Yep. And, uh, and how many employees? And give us a little okay. um, information there. Yeah, our headquarters are just in Vinings, um, but we have over 24 operations in the United States, Mexico, the United Kingdom, and China. Uh, 4,300 associates uh, worldwide and 270, roughly 270, working here in Atlanta. Congratulations. Yes. That's, that's a tremendous growth company. It is a great company. What is, the, uh, what is flexibility packaging and uh, special rigid uh, packaging mean? Well, as, as I was saying, it's um, most of what we do is direct food contact packaging. So um, it would be wrong for me to mention the, our customers because I inevitably would would leave somebody out, but you know, as I mentioned, breakfast cereal, potato chip bags, um, labels that go around bottles, cups for applesauce or diced fruit. Um, those are the, most of what we do. On the non-food side, when you open a, a, a wrapper of paper towels, that could very well be one of Print Pack's products. Might be easier for David to say what Print Pack does not do than what they do do. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't get involved in cartons. Uh, or or, rigid, or or bottles, PET bottles for like soft drinks, um, but it's more. Uh, and the, you, you, I'm sure you've seen in the store the trend away from boxes into stand-up pouches. That's been one of the big trends that we've seen and, and been been on the right side of the last few years. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best way. Things that that aren't flexible and things are. And the good news for us is things continue to trend toward flexible packaging because it's lightweight. It's very strong. And, um, you know, has a, you know, a good, from a sustainability standpoint, has a very compelling message to, to deliver. David, what, what, what does a new employee uh, have to uh, learn? What's the culture in your company and how do they transition into your company? Yeah, it's, um, it is a, being a family-owned business um, and the Love family have, have consistently measured, uh, managed for the long term. Um, interesting statistic, over... Um, 28% of our associates have more than 20 years of service. So it's a very stable place to work. So someone coming in, if they're expecting to run the company in two years, that's not really what PrintPak is about. But if it's a place you want to come in and be a part of something important and larger than just manufacturing packaging, then PrintPak's a great place to work. 
but it is it is more stable. It's we're a conservative company, um, and we're in it for the, the long haul. We're talking talking to David Reed. Uh, he's the vice president of marketing and technology at at Printpack. And uh, so, what are your best customers likely agree on uh, to what makes Printpack different or better? Yeah, I think the the one thing that we like to talk about is that we're good stewards of their brands. Um, most of what we package are impulse buys. And so when a consumer's in the grocery store, they're walking down the aisle, and research has shown that the consumer, you have a consumer goods company has about two and a half seconds to grab that consumer. So what we do, what we print, the images that we deliver for our customers are what the consumer sees. And so uh, what we hear from our customers that our, our quality is consistently among the best and that they can count on us to be, as I said, good stewards of their brands. David, what, what are some of the, let's talk about uh, some of the common characteristics uh, uh, for a success uh, for a manager at your company. You know, one of the things that we're working very hard on right now is to have our managers and leaders behave more like coaches. And so this whole notion of engaged leadership is something that we're really working toward at the company. Um, and that really starts with, you know, the, the hiring and selection process, making sure we get that right, as I alluded to before. Not everyone is, is suited for a more stable environment, and that's one of our challenges is, is recruiting the right people uh, for the long haul. But this whole notion of consistency and engagement, you know, showing someone what a good job looks like, and then holding them accountable to that, you know, performance reviews done on a timely basis and recognizing and rewarding achievement, that's the, those leaders, those managers that do those behaviors are the most successful at Printpack. And so, what, so talking about uh, managers and leaders, uh, do they generally stay in one location or do you, do you move people from one location to another? Or is there, um, you know, we've noticed that... Um, I guess maybe with the housing downturn a few years ago, people are less able or willing to relocate. But certainly there are opportunities. As I mentioned, we have operations across the globe. I've spent nine years in the U.K. from 2000 to 2009. So if that is your want, there's plenty of opportunity to move around. Um, but I have to say we don't move people around as much as we did previously uh, when I first started in the business 28 years ago. What would you say is the most important uh, function or discipline at, at Printpack? Well, this is a, a little bit of a trick question. Um, our founder, Mr. Love, um, always felt that sales was the lifeblood of our company. So we, we do like to think of ourselves as a sales-driven company. Obviously, all the other functions are vitally important. But we also like this to say at Printpack, everybody's in sales, that you know, the customer is what is, is drives this business, and, and nothing really happens until something gets sold. So, um, yeah, that uh, is definitely uh, uh, foremost in everybody's mind when they join the company. We're listening to David Reed at, at Printpack. And, uh, David, uh, I know, like Chuck, you, you, you guys are involved in a lot of associations. Uh, you get a lot... Uh, uh, to give back and, and things like that. So can you uh, share a little bit about some of the associations that you guys are, are supporting? Yeah, um, and I'll, I'll focus on you know, what we do in Atlanta, but I, but I should say that uh, at all of our locations, there's a real strong um, culture uh, to, to give back to the community. And, and that all started with the founder, Mr. Love, um, when he was running the company. 
But we are big, big supporters of the United Way and the American Heart Association. Uh, here in Atlanta, Must Ministries, we, we spend a lot of time and, and energy with. Uh, our 57th anniversary is coming up in September. And to commemorate that, rather than throw a party, we, we spe- uh, specify a week during September that we call Print Pack Cares. And during that week, um, associates are encouraged to, to volunteer and give some time to some you know, community uh, project or service. And this year, we're going to be uh, emphasizing the Center for Children and Young Adults in Cobb County. So um, that's one of the things that's very rewarding to be a part of a company. Yes, we're very concerned about you know, making a, a profit and, and being successful, but it's more than that. And PrintPak consistently demonstrates across all of our operations that we give back to the community. And, David, didn't you guys just uh, recently have a big expansion out there in Villa Rica? Well, add, we're – Add some employees to that, to that uh, community? Yeah, we, um, we have two facilities in Villa Rica now, and uh, the company over the last few months has been involved in, in embarking on a, a pretty radical uh, reinvestment in the business around, uh, you know, uh, upgrading equipment and maintaining a level of competitiveness. And uh, the uh, facilities in Villa Rica are going to – receive some more capital so that you know we've got a a good uh, foundation there and we're going to be building from that excellent as you grow your business david how does how does print pack find its new clients and customers you know those 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 food companies or whatever that need the packaging how, how do you get in front of them how do you how do you how does print pack market itself to the community as far as building its business well you, you sort of <laughs> touched on something that's um I'm, I'm new in my position that we feel like we, we haven't grown the business as much as we'd like to. So we want to challenge ourselves to, to reach out to customers in new and different ways, um, including making sure that in our, our core business that we're not missing opportunities. So, you know, we've spent some time updating our website. We've um, embarked on a little more push marketing. I talked about being a sales-driven company. So for many years it was kind of up to sales to go out and, you know, find customers, but we're finding that, you know, we need to do more than that. So we're trying to up our game from a marketing standpoint, our website, uh, participation in more trade shows, uh, getting our name out there, because um, it's a tough business. PrintPak operates in a, you know, it's about a $21 billion industry. We're the largest privately held um, company in that space, but there are plenty of competition out there. But there's also a lot of startup companies um, doing things, um, that we need to be aware of. So we're trying to get our name out there a little bit more and maybe, do, as I said, do a little more push marketing than we've done in the past. Yeah, I like what I'm hearing here, Mike. Uh, I mean, a lot of growth. I'm hearing growth from everybody. Expansion, that's great. <laughs> the economy is going yeah, back up, good. it sounds. It's good it sounds feeling. Like. Well, and one of the things about the Love family, they, they pay the company back first. Um, you know, they, uh, they have consistently put money back into the business, and uh, that – you know, makes it very comforting, especially in, you know, we're coming out of an economic downturn. But even through the, the worst of it, the company was still investing in new plant and equipment. And that really, you know, sends a strong message to our associates and to our customers that we're in it for the long haul. Well, let me add on to the, to the same question I've asked everyone else. What's your silver lining? Well, I, you know, uh, I, I think the future is bright for PrintPak. I mean, we're well positioned in an industry that continues to gain favor with you know, um, consumer goods companies and and consumers. Um, and so I, I think the future is bright. As I said, more more packages are, are evolving toward flexible, um, and we don't really see uh, that trend stopping. So we're, we're very excited about the future. 
Excellent. David, tell our listeners how they can reach out to you and your company. Uh, the best way would be through our website, www.printpack, P-R-I-N-T-P-A-C-K, one word, uh, dot com. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Silver Lining in the Cloud, where we talk business to business. A special thank you to our guest today, Neil Stevens with Keyworth Bank, Chuck Paul with A Closer Look, and David Reed with Print Pack. We appreciate all you for being on the show, and uh, all. And I just want to thank our, our producer, Mike Salmon, as well. I'm Dominic Rainey with Computer Design and Integration, our local group, CDI Managed Services where we work with companies to maximize their investment in IT infrastructure support and cloud solutions. And speaking of cloud, we've, uh, we've got a, a, a lunch and learn seminar this, this, this month on uh, actually next week, August 27th. We'll be hosting that uh, over at uh, Rome, R-O-A-M Dunwoody. Uh, to reserve a seat, please call Nicole at 770 and to listen to this show and other Silver Lining and Cloud broadcasts, go to silverlining.businessradiox.com. And uh, when it comes to IT solutions and cloud solutions, remember, we're your Silver Lining in the Cloud.